right. And we are live. We're going to give it a, a few seconds. And uh, Andrew, if you look up in the corner, there's a little eye there. That'll show you how many people have their eye on us right now. I think the weird, the weird thing about going live is it's sort of like, when do we do the, the introduction? You know, yeah. when does that, when does that happen? Um, oh, like, I, like, no, normally if, if you and I were just doing like a talk radio show right now, we would be doing an advertisement and then we could just right. banter and people would kind of zip in and out, but it would right. also seamlessly integrate into some other format. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. We're pioneers, Lou. That's what we are. We are. We have uh, we have three people checking in on us right now. We got one thumbs up already. This is this is all, we're off to a great start. One thing that that uh, that we should have done. I think it might be good if you put in headphones. I'm, I'm getting a little bit of uh, of echo there, but I could you know, I could I'm hold doing it down very well for myself. I own headphones. Let me get this for you. One sec. There we go. Well, now it's going to be a challenge if you have to untangle them because we only have an hour with you, and I don't know if that's going to. If you're going to be able to untangle them in time, whoa! Hold on a second. This man is a magician. Look at that. I, I like that you've actually got a setup, Lou. Like because I've been vagabonding the last year. Uh, every time I record anything, which is multiple times a week, is my podcast. Every single time, I have to unpack everything, reset it up, recombobulate it, and uh, I, now that I've actually got an apartment, I'm very excited to have a desk. And yes. I got I got one of those uh, I got a, a Shure mic and I or maybe it's a Rode mic I think it's a Shure mic, yeah it's a Shure SM7B, and I've got like a uh, like a an arm like a mic holder like an arm mic holder like, okay. like you've got so that I, I won't have to set it up every time which would be great. I think that's great. Are you going to do the standing desk thing or? I don't. I, you know what? I, I a lot of the time I end up having a standing desk that I'll kind of use. I don't know that I, I don't think I'll do it for recording purposes. Uh, I, I'm I'm not I'm not that virile. Uh, I'd, I'd, li I'd like the option to lean back while recording, but like if I if I'm reading, like if I'm doing research, I kind of like doing that. I love the idea of virile now meaning I'm able to stand in place for a very <laughs> long time. Ladies, if you're looking to reproduce, I'm a man that uh -huh. can stand in place. You know, so. maybe I'm just I'm just using the standards of eighty year olds of like right. God, that guy's, Have you seen him stand? He stands right. for hours. Whoa, whoa! He's got that that Centrum Silver just you know coursing through his uh, yeah. through his veins. Mm -hmm. uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for those of you who are tuning in, uh, thank you so much. My name is Lou Perez, and this is my monthly Ask Me Anything. And for the first time, I'm actually joined by a guest for one of these things. And the reason why is um, a lot of you out there have been saying, "Hey." Um, have you ever heard of Andrew Heaton or have you checked out Andrew's work or you guys should work together? And it turns out that for a few years now, Andrew and I have been friends. Um, I, I'm a fan of his work and I thought, Oh, this would be a perfect opportunity to uh, get Andrew into the, uh, into the studio. I guess this is, yeah, this is kind of, or studio yeah, apartment, wherever, wherever you are. Sure. And uh, you know, let him, uh, let him take part. And I've been having a blast uh, doing this. And uh, right before we started, um, one of the things that, that that's been giving me a lot of trouble is the fact that this is actually my head to scale compared to Andrew's body. So my <laughs> right. head, I'm like, it's I'm like one of those Easter, hanging out with Lou. Easter Island uh, people. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Andrew, well, we met in, in New York city some years back and you've kind of mm -hmm. been all over the place and, uh, where are you now and how did you get there? So. 
Thank you, Lou. Lou, and it's nice to hang out with you again. And, and might I confirm, we are in fact friends. For anybody, yeah. anybody that just wondered about that on your AMA, we've known each other for several years. Uh, uh, yeah, so I'm in Tulsa right now, uh, which which uh, is lovely, but not what I thought I was going to be doing this time uh, last year, anyway. Uh, so I had we met when I was in New York. Uh, in fact, you were at the time by coastal. You were kind of zipping back and forth between LA and New York, as I recall. And yeah. uh, but I think you have family in New York. And uh, and I was yep. I was situated there, and then I kind of got I just kind of got tired of it. Uh, like I, it like just like I, I love New York. There's wonderful things about New York, but it, there's enough frenetic energy. Plus, like New York also doesn't have every everywhere else I've ever lived. You could kind of scale your income up. But you're like, oh, I'm making twenty thousand dollars more per year. I could get you know a hundred extra square feet. And I found that New York, you're either like. Um, in finance, making a million dollars, or you have bunk beds. Like, there's no intermediate state, so like it's kind uh -huh. of a crunch if you're a dude in your 30s because you're like less enthused about staying in a bunk bed. So um, I've been in Texas for a couple of years, um, working on projects down there, and then uh, January of last year, I moved to Los Angeles for the networking, Lou. For the networking, <laughs> I moved to Los Angeles, uh, which That's I showbiz talk, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Networking is showbiz talk. Well, and on top of that, the 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 problem was it turns out that 2020 was not a good year for in-person networking, uh, particularly in a very expensive city such as Los Angeles. And so I was out there about six months and uh, and went, this is dumb. I'm paying I'm paying the highest rent of my life to live in a box by myself, and everything I'm doing is remote. So I ended up getting out of the lease. I bought a 20, uh, uh, a 13-foot camper from an 86-year-old guy named Dave who sold it to me because he just got married. It's not big enough for him and the wife to travel around in. And so I was living out Dave, of that for about five months. It was really months. good. Dave was really good at standing up uh, in place. Yeah. He was, a, he was yeah. very virile. Dave is a sure. very, very virile fellow there, Dave. Uh, so I was doing that for a while, and then I got a grant uh, to come live here in Tulsa. So they're, they're giving me a, a, a grant to contribute to the, the creative scene and the cosmopolitan nature of the city. And uh, I uh, have, have just moved in the last few days. That's really cool. And, and uh, you know, I'd never heard of a grant like this before. Is it is it possible for anybody listening to apply for the grant? Is it, is it on rolling submissions or is yeah. it, you know? Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I, I applied like, gosh, I think I applied about six months ago. Like, I applied on a lark when I left Los Angeles because I was like, I don't know where else to go. Everything's closed. Like I might as well go to a low cost of living. Uh, and uh, uh, got approved for it, and they were like, "Yeah, you're you're approved. Just uh, let us know when you move to Tulsa, and then we'll, we'll we'll put you through orientation." Which I did today. So, like today was the first day of the program, in effect. But yeah, it, I I think they're I think it's rolling, or maybe you get approved and they they send you to the next one. But um, it's definitely there. There are other programs that are beginning to play with that uh, play with the same thing. Like I know West Virginia has one. Um, I think there's a comparable program in maybe Iceland or something like that, except in Iceland, oh, really? they're, they're trying to stir up the gene pool. Like they're explicitly just trying to get people in to, to make sure that there's not, uh, not too many Icelandic people. Uh, I got, I, 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 I went to Iceland for my honeymoon. So, uh, we, my wife and I, we honeymooned for two weeks. The first week we were in France and then the second week we were in Iceland mm -hmm. and, I had such an amazing time in Iceland. I absolutely love it. Can't wait to go back. And when I was back in New York, I was uh, I was at a restaurant eating by myself. And next to me were two people, two strangers. I never met them before. And they were having a conversation about Iceland. 
And what I noticed is everything coming out of their mouth about Iceland is the exact same thing I would say about it. <laughs> it's almost like there are no original experiences of Iceland. It's like it's already like kind of an alien world and you experience it. Everybody has the same experience and and tells the same story. You know, I imagine like DMT might be uh, <laughs> might might be like that. Um, so uh, Andrew, let's see. I'm, uh, we're getting some questions uh, from uh, from the from those in attendance right now, and I'm going to start off with this one. Bobcat, he has to say, Lou looks worried reading the chat. You're you're damn right, Bobcat, because I'm wondering what you animals are going to come up with. Let's see. But at the same time, I always feel very reassured because now I have an alibi. Like I don't like I'm not planning to murder anybody. But let's say I murder somebody. I it's going to be easier for me to 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 you know your honor. How could I have possibly murdered someone? Look at the timestamp. I was talking to my friend Lou about Iceland at seven ten p.m. Central. How could I have possibly arranged a series of pulleys to drop a bucket of lead on a man two feet from my building at that time? Wouldn't have been possible. Do you is are there any enemies and maybe they're they're in the chat right now? Let's Not anymore. See. Not anymore. <laughs> um, Let's see. By the way, I Iceland, uh, I am planning to go back there. I had a great time. So I, I got invited to speak for, uh, to, to do comedy for a student group out there. And uh, as a result, so that they wouldn't, they wouldn't give me, uh, they wouldn't pay me, but they did pay for the, the lodging and they paid for the flight. And they just, like, I had a posse for the, the week I was out there. Like, I just had, like, a group of Icelandic students who took it upon themselves to just make me love Iceland, which I do. And so while I was there two years ago, I announced my candidacy. I am running for mayor of Iceland. And I'm aware that Iceland is a country and not a city. But the thing <laughs> is, I, I, I don't know how to spell Reykjavik. Very confusing. Don't know how to spell it. Don't intend to learn how to spell it. Nor do I plan to learn Icelandic. So I'm just I'm going to go over there and like just do a big fun campaign next time I can and see if I can't maybe get like some kind of my, my hope is that I'll almost screw up the like the the, the big election and they'll they'll like be like listen oh people are writing in your name you're gonna fuck stuff up but we'll give you like a tiny mayorship in some town nobody's ever heard of and I'll be like deal take it nice. Nice. The uh, yeah, I, I was really surprised with just how expensive it was. It was like yeah. way more expensive than it than it was in uh, in France. And I think um, it, I, I remember we picked up. I guess technically they were hitchhikers. They were girls, you know, uh, uh, hitching a ride. And there's there's sort of like one road in Iceland mm -hmm. in Reykjavik, and uh, we picked them up and we asked them, hey, you know, like where's like the good like you know like a good cheap local spot? And apparently there aren't any. There are no cheap <laughs> local spots. Everything right. costs, uh, costs an arm and a leg. Let's see. So uh, first question we got for Andrew is what happened to Weekly Mostly? Uh, so Mostly Weekly was a blast. I had a ton of fun making that. And uh, basically it just ran its course and then kind of the people involved sort of floated away. So uh, Mostly Weekly ended right about the time I left New York and Sarah Siskind uh, who's now uh, who's my writing partner is now out in California, uh, and it it just kind of became too difficult for us to keep it going. But it was tons of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I've we've we've thought about doing something like that again in the future uh, of of doing sort of a funny policy show. Um, we've also to kind of jump ahead to uh, to Ryan's comment on on any yeah. plans for script material. Um, we finally have I've finally convinced Reason to buy puppets. It's been a few years. I've been working on it, but they now, they now have a puppet arsenal. And so we're thinking about doing some regular puppet stuff and, and maybe making a new series that involves puppets for adults, of course. 
Uh, and so there's some stuff there. And then like uh, there's there's other projects I'm working on that aren't necessarily with reason that would be scripted. Nice, nice. And and with the uh, with the puppets, do you guys did you get to design them or was it sort of like stock just, puppets? I think we just went on Amazon and got them. Uh, I, I don't think it was it was too crazy, but they came with a lot of costumes so we can customize them. And I maintain that puppets are inherently funny because they look like people, but they are not people. And so as a result, our brains go, that's funny. I'm not sure what to do with this discrepancy. I'll laugh. There, there's a bunch of great uh, um, great videos on, on YouTube of, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, on the Johnny Car on, on late night with was it late night with Johnny Carson um, uh, with Jim Henson so he's on with with Johnny Carson and uh, he's you know doing a number of the the characters that he does he's voicing a number of the puppets and Johnny Carson pointed out you know something that that's just true is you know it's not like Jim Henson is a ventriloquist right you can see Jim Henson's mouth moving but yet all your attention is on the puppet it's an, and it it feels as though you are actually listening to uh, Two grown men speak to puppets, um, so that yeah. that's a yeah. Can, can I see. can I kick a question to to Bobcat here? He says he yeah. is funny for sure. He's quick while Lou is fast. I'm fascinated by me, and so I really like it when people talk about me. Bobcat, can you elaborate? What does that mean? What's the difference between fast and quick in this context? And yes, they were sex dolls. And and you actually um, you asked a question. And we're going to have to wait for it because it involves typing. So, Bobcat, if right. you have a, uh, a a response to that, please hit us up in the comment section over there. Um, and, of course, Bobcat wants to know, are you sure they weren't sex dolls? Yeah, what is the... I mean, I know, keep asking the, reason for sex dolls, but that, like, they're... they're what's they're the line? They're me on what's that, too. Yeah, what's it's the a budget thing. between a, it's just a I mean, budget I, thing. Like, yeah, a Amazon puppets are like forty dollars, but like the sex dolls I wanted to order were like four thousand dollars, and uh, and so it was. It, it's you know we're working on it eventually. I mean, if we're being real, I mean any any puppet or anything you could fit over your hand can easily be a uh, you know a sex doll. I mean, it, we could easily make that happen. Let's see. And I gotta say, I feel like Reason could really tap an audience on Pornhub. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what the overall political pie chart is for Pornhub, but I bet you they're very libertine. I bet that they don't tend to be super judgy people. So I don't know. Maybe put up some kind of show on there. Well, I remember there uh, some years back, uh, there was a video that Reason uh, put together. I don't know if it was about – I think it had something to do with making guns, and it wasn't allowed on YouTube. So Reason put it on on Pornhub. Oh, like Pornhub right. actually actually ran it. Um, I haven't watched many gun videos on uh, on Pornhub. I'm sure that that there's a you know some kind of a gun fetish there, some gunplay, if you if you will. I'd be uh, amazed so I, if there wasn't. I'd be absolutely yeah. amazed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm imagining the scene. Um, do you ever watch The Sopranos? Would you watch it? Uh, so I'm aware uh, of it though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It's a you know a little show. Um, you know, hopefully it'll it'll get out of its cult status. Uh, but there is one scene. There's a sex scene where uh, Tony's sister is uh, having sex. She's getting taken from behind, and her boyfriend is putting a gun to her head. So that's, but but it's consensual. So that's so that's good. Now and on that, let's get is, is that his is that his is that his thing or her thing or both? I think I think for that to work in a relationship, it's got to be both of your things. I you know I, 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 I think really, so. Yeah, and there's yeah. gonna there's got to be a lot of checking of the gun beforehand. There's you know there's so much trust involved in that for sure. Uh, yeah, Andy I, asks, I, I wouldn't oh, I wouldn't feel comfortable in either either of those scenarios. If it's like, 
hey, do you want this? I'd be like, I don't particularly want you to point a gun at my head while we're doing this. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But can you do it to me? I'd be like, I also don't feel particularly comfortable pointing a gun at you while we do this. I would rather we not do that. If all they like, like there's some other things we could play with. Guns don't. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I have too respect for gun safety. Too respect for yeah. gun safety and too much respect for orgasms. I guess, I guess if I were, I'm not much of a camper. So if I was camping, then I might, you know, be interested in someone having a gun, just sort of making sure that everything was, uh, was cool. Like in, in our, on our perimeter, but I, mean, uh, I, usually, the- I usually sleep with a machete under any mattress I sleep on. I've got two or three machetes depending because I've got the scamp. I've got my new place here in Tulsa that I've got a cabin and, uh, I don't like keeping a loaded gun around, but you never know when there's going to be like a bobcat. Not in your case, Mister Wolfenstein, but a you know a, a, a you know a cougar or uh, a bear or something. So I was keep. So I don't know. Maybe I could uh, keep keep that involved in the bedroom. I could see that being kind of hot. It's like you know, there's a weapon. I, it, it it's it. I found it very interesting that you were so not into the gunplay, but you just hey, I just happened to sleep with a machete, not even a knife, just a you know a machete <laughs> under. A, and and, Wait, and in three you different locations. You need to fit off a bear with a switchblade. You need to have a like a machete, even though you're probably going to die. But you want to get a good blow. Like you want you want, the goal is to be able to mark the bear enough so that your friends can avenge your death. But if you just like shank the bear, then no one's going to know which bear to kill. My God, I oh my God, I almost feel like Andrew, you've actually killed some bears, and and we need to talk about that. But um, uh, Andy has a has Andy, so I, which I believe might be short for Andrew. He has a question, uh-huh. Lou. How's it going in New Jersey versus Brooklyn? Any hot takes? Uh, thank you so much for asking about that, Andy. Um, I think for the past few months that I've been uh, doing these Ask Me Anythings, I've been talking about my my move from Brooklyn to New Jersey to the suburbs, in particular. Um, uh, un- I, mean, I, I really like the move. I wish that I was just staying in New Jersey. Right now, I'm in Brooklyn because we still have stuff that needs to be moved from our apartment. So it involves me coming back, filling boxes, bringing it there. So kind of like going like back and forth. And then eventually, I'm going to have to uh, organize the the last leg of the move, which is which involves furniture. Um, but yeah, like every single every time I come back to Brooklyn, I'm kind of dreading it. I'm kind of like, ugh, I just want to be out of here and stay out of here. Uh, so far, I'm digging the suburbs. I like it. The one, the one downside to it, though, is I don't know if you guys can tell from my voice, but I am so clogged from from just allergies. So there's just mm-hmm. pollen everywhere. We have a car that it's silver, but now it has it's it's full of of pollen, just like this iridescent yellow dust. That's on it. And it's all in here now, man. It's Tree all sperm. in here. Tree, Tree sperm, sperm's yeah. getting in your nose. I'm, I'm having the same thing. Oklahoma is a big wind funnel. Like any, any, basically all of the stuff from Canada all the way down gets sucked through Oklahoma and, and lots wow. of cedar and lots of ragweed. And so, and the other thing too is like, uh, I don't think God wanted us to live here. Like, I don't think we were ever supposed to live in Oklahoma. Like, like I like Oklahoma and everything, but like we have tornadoes, earthquakes, really hot summers, really bad winters and pollen. Like it's like he, Buffalo, we're supposed to live here. And we've, we've intruded on God's plans. He's trying to murder us. Uh, and, and we're making peace with that. Where did you move to in, in New Jersey? Oh, oh, I don't want to tell these animals. There's no, there's no way, dude. I, I don't have a machete that I sleep with under my bed. Um, so depends on what part fearful. of New Jersey I see. Yeah. I think, I think New Jersey is a, I think it's the most, uh, unfairly slagged state in the union. Oh, uh, like, 
Yeah. Like, like it, it's the garden state. There's got to be greenery somewhere. Right. And like, when you talk to people and they're like, Oh, I hate New Jersey. Oh, I went there one time and I'm like, Oh, where'd you go? And they're like, we flew into this place called Newark before we drove to New York city. And I'm like, so you're judging the state. Like, don't, don't judge any state based off of the airport. The airports always suck. And the drive from the airport to the city. I've been to like one place my entire life where I would describe that airport ride as like beautiful. Uh, Bristol Airport in England, absolutely. The the drive from there, uh, beautiful. But other than that, like all airports, like the track from the airport to the town is always industrial wasteland where gangsters bury corpses. That's what like. So don't judge a state based on that. Then I feel like there's probably lots of nice places. Edison, New Jersey, I thought was really nice. I like Hoboken. I think Hoboken's a great place. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I, I pronounce it Hoboken, but Hoboken Hoboken sounds well, more. It sounds keep, more keep working legit. on that. <laughs> um, but you know, I think you, I think you nailed something too, uh, just about, you know, something that, that I think everybody's learned, you know, through the pandemic, which is, you know, what people are finding is that you don't have to be in New York or LA to, um, to thrive, you know, and so many people are like, wait a minute, I could move back to my hometown and possibly continue to do the same work that I was doing when I was living in a box in, in New York City. And I think I'm, I'm hoping that it that it's definitely opening more and more people's eyes to the reality that, uh, you know, the world doesn't revolve around L.A. and New York. And there's a lot of interesting stuff happening. And uh, during the pandemic in particular, that's when my wife and I, like, thankfully, we had a car so we could escape New York and go go hiking and go, uh, mm -hmm. you know, all, all places, you know, all these different places in Jersey. We went. Uh, for those of you who've never been to Wildwood, New Jersey, or Wild Wildwood Crest, that was such an important trip for us to take during the pandemic because we were able to go to a beach where people were enjoying their life and they weren't, you know, hiding inside, you know, and and uh, and that was really important. So I think I'm, I'm hoping that the move will will be a a uh, much needed, you know healthy move on my part you know not only uh physically but just you know emotionally spiritually and and all that so good uh let's, congrats let's well, I, I, now that i'm no longer in new york or la i encourage all comedians to live in new york and la because <laughs> then, then i don't feel like i'm missing out on anything and if we all do it then we can all keep networking right on uh, so uh, Joe Green has another question for you. He says, uh, you've spoofed Star Trek, Star Wars, and Game of Thrones. What's the next spoof you're going to do? There's a few ideas we're toying with. I suspect James Bond's probably coming up because there's, I, I think another Bond film is in the near future. That's that's going to be barreling towards us. So I, I think that that'll probably happen. We spoofed, uh, spoofed PBS recently, about two months ago. Uh, that was really, really fun. And, and so if you haven't seen that, I'd check that out because it was very funny. Um, yeah, James Bond, we, we've thought about doing, we might do some um, like superhero type stuff. I don't really know that world. I don't know Marvel uh, nearly so well as I know Star Wars and Star Trek, uh, but we might do something like that. Um, and we've got, We've got a file of other things. We, we've also, I don't know, we've, we've kicked around a lot of weird ideas. Like I, like I wrote a sitcom pilot. Um, I don't think that we'll end up doing it because I don't know that re reason we'll end up wanting to do a sitcom, but who knows? They're, they're, they, they give us a lot, of, a lot of room and there could be some fun stuff. Nice, nice. Um, oh, and, and I wonder what's going to happen. Uh, do you think with the new James Bond, is it going to be uh, Daniel Craig or are they going to uh, recast the roles? Are going to be like a big, are they going to make a big move on the casting front? Because I remember they were talking about Idris Elba playing James Bond, and I thought that was 
awesome. I'm a, I'm a huge Idris Elba fan. And, you know, you talk about a guy equipped to play James Bond. I think Idris Elba holds like the land speed record uh, for a, uh, he was like racing. Car- I don't know if he was racing cars, but he was trying to break a record and there's, uh, and apparently he did it like in the desert. I and mean, that's pretty, it's pretty wow. badass. Yeah. Wait, who's Idris Elba? Idris Elba. He would, do you ever see the wire? Did you ever see the wire? He played Stringer Bell on The Wire. Did you ever see um, uh, Luther? It's a a, a cop series uh, from England. Nope. Then just take my word for it, dude. Sounds like my word. What's that? I see. Sounds like a great guy. Yeah, no, he's he's fantastic. And uh, and recently there was some uh, real silly controversy where uh, Idris Elba is he's black. He's a black Englishman, and he plays a detective in England named Luther. And apparently somebody, I think, having to do with the, the BBC, I don't know if it was like a, a diversity and inclusion officer or something like that, said that Idris Elba is the character of Luther isn't black enough. Like he uh, he doesn't he doesn't eat like West Indian food and he doesn't have enough black friends. Ergo, uh, Luther is not is not black enough. And uh, and I made the joke that I mean, they're basically saying like for Luther to be black enough. Uh, to be black enough, he's going to have to be shot by a cop. Like, I mean, there's really no other, other way to do it, but you know that, Hey, I'm not writing for the show. I'm up for it. You know, I'm up to write for that show. I can, I can make Luther blacker if, if that's what the BBC wants. So I am here for it. Well, we have the answer, uh, Bobcat, uh, the, uh, the follow-up to the question. Uh, he said, you're both smart and witty. It's just a difference of delivery or contemplation and reaction. Maybe hard to define in text, I guess. Um, let's see. Heaton is like Craig Ferguson in the improv. Whoa. I'll take nice. it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, let's see. He did say he spent time in Texas and Bobcat says that Heaton, you got to show Lou Texas. I'm down for that. Heck, and also Texas Car- is fun. So, somebody was stepping on Austin earlier. Austin's great. Austin's a really fun town. Austin's worth visiting. It's, I would live there. It's just so hot. Like, like all uh-huh. of my genes belong in a bog north of Moscow. Like I, I don't, I, I, if I could, if Congress could pass a law affecting the universe saying we never experience 80 degrees Fahrenheit or 30% humidity, either one of those ever again, I would like, yes, a thousand percent. So Austin's too hot for me, but it's a great town. Really, really fun place. Yeah. And uh, Carlos uh, over here, he says, make Texas Texas again. And for those of you wondering, Carlos uh, is actually one of my sponsors. If you look down at the bottom of the screen, you'll see promo code Lou that could be used at PalomaVerdeCBD.com. And if you use that promo code, you get 25% off purchases over $75. So Carlos, thank you so much for your sponsorship and for checking in uh, to make sure that I plugged the shit out of Paloma Verde CBD. Uh, let's see what we're gonna we're gonna see what other questions we got here. Do, 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 do. We got we got some love right now. He's got Lou and Charlton Heston uh, joining forces. Unite the militia. Uh, we were almost there. Lou and Heaton almost joining forces, but Lou and Heston just went and did it anyway. <laughs> I think uh, I, I kind of wish my name was Heston. That sounds slightly that's a good name. It's got like, you know, it's just Heston's got a little bit more oomph to it. He, Heaton sounds like Heaton, whereas Heston, you're like walking up a hill. I don't know. Well, well I wonder if, uh, I think Heaton as a, as a first name is, is pretty cool too, you know. And now people, now we could do that, you know. Um, anybody true. out there, anybody out there looking for a strong boy name, I think Heaton or Heston, 
Actually, oh my God, I'm really. You should all that. you should all name your children after me. All of you should be doing that. I, I have a new. I have another boy on the way. So and we're looking for names. We we have it locked down. We, we have a name that we think is is going to work, but now you're now you're making me think, man. Plus, think about this: if you named your kid Heaton, and like ten years from now, you're like, can you contribute to the college fund? I'd have to. I'd absolutely have to. I'm like, you named your kid after me. I'm basically a godparent. Like, it's a smart move. Pick your wealthiest friend and name it after them. Uh, although you, you should have a a clause in whatever that contract is that it's like you don't like that's all you have to do for this kid you don't have to go to any birthday parties you don't mm, have to I like that yeah you know you know it's like no one and done we're, we're out of here no what, what i'll do is i'll i'll just i'll commit to a bunch of stuff up front but if it's too much for me i will change my name then i'll get out of it then it doesn't matter anymore like if i change my name to pete then i'm not i'm not accountable <laughs> uh we have a question from david aria uh, when you do comedy shows in NYC in the future, will you be staying in hotels or crashing on people's couches or Airbnb? Um, I think, uh, Andrew, it's probably uh, more of a question uh, for yourself. I'm, I'm going to be pretty close to New York, uh, even though I, I moved away. Uh, what do you think is the best is the best way to uh, to deal with New well, York when you're doing a show? Currently, I'm, I'm dating a, a nice young lady in New York, so I'm hoping that she'll keep letting me stay with her when I'm in New York. Uh, if, if for some reason that were not the case, uh, I've, I've got a couple of friends now that have, if not a guest room, a pantry with an inflatable mattress that I'm inclined to stay at. You know, I, I'm right on the line. I don't want to do a couch anymore. That like I'm too old and haggard at this point in my life to enjoy sleeping on a couch, and it doesn't, it just doesn't pan well. Um, uh, so I, I'd like, I, I think, in fact, I think I stayed at an Airbnb a, a, a couple times ago. Uh, but, but one of my friends then got like a, like a, a kind of a guest room kind of scenario. And I've, I've got the run of that, but yeah. So guest room, fine preference because it's very expensive to get lodging in New York city, right? After yeah. guest room, Airbnb, I'd rather do Airbnb than sleeping on a futon or, 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 or somebody's, I don't know. I, I need, I need a little bit of privacy and I also have to work. Like I've got to record stuff. And so if it's just me like slept on somebody's couch, plus like, I don't, I don't know what the, the general uh, age ranges of people listening, but like when you hit 30, you just don't want to sleep at somebody else's place. Like uh, um, I, I would rather, yeah. I would rather drive two hours to get back to my bed than sleep on somebody's couch. We're in their guest room. Now, uh, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm in Dallas and I, and I like, uh, and somebody's like, yeah, just stay here. I'm like, nah, I'll, I'll drive three hours to go sleep in my bed. I don't want to wake up in a weird place. But now that I got a camper, yeah. I don't have to. I just lug it behind me. Like I was in Dallas here a week ago, and I had I just parked my camper in front of somebody's house, and they were going to let me sleep in the guest room. And I was like, "Why? My bedroom's right here with all my stuff in it." Yeah. Well, what's it like? Uh, you know. You know, trotting around the country uh, in a camper. Are there a lot of uh, are are places hospitable to people in campers? Or you know, do you have to like park like all the way outside of town? They're, they're generally fine. So I spent about a month in Oakland because I was collaborating with a friend out there just before the election. And uh, um, once you once you live in a van or a camper, you see them everywhere. And, and it's it, it's become quite the phenomenon the last few years uh, with vans. Keep your eyes peeled for a van that either has like a, um, aluminum in the windows or alternately the, the top popped. That's somebody living in there or sleeping in there as opposed to a utility van um, in Oakland. You're fine pretty much anywhere. It's just that you can't park in, you know, designated no parking areas. But uh, in the same way that you can have tents and things, like they're fairly blasé about uh, campers and vans. Uh, there are a few regulations where they won't let you do it 
there's a lake Lake Merritt in Oakland. You can't do it right around the lake, uh, but uh, but I think they kind of eased back restrictions during the pandemic too. Uh, but for the most part, it's fine. Um, the the bigger issue is uh, if you're right in the center of town, it's very noisy because there's no sound insulation, and uh, and then like depending on where you're at, you got to worry about crime and things like that too. Like there's not a lot of uh, you know there's not a lot of heft to a door on a camper. So if somebody actually wanted to break in and get anything, they could. Now, granted, as previously mentioned, I've got that machete. You got the machete. So I mean, I've I mean, got a little bit of stuff. If you, if you want to get your ass cut, then uh -huh. you know, break yeah, it. Try and try and come get my, my laptop. It's fairly, no, it's, it's fairly uh, easy in that regard. Um, and there's lots of places to camp, which is really my preference. Cause now what I found is that when I'm, when I'm driving around in the camper, the way to do it is basically just to identify somebody where you want to go and ask if you can park in their driveway or in front of their house. That way you're able to use their amenities and right. things like that. You basically have a modular bedroom. If you're not doing that, go to a, a national forest, which is my favorite. Uh, U.S. forest land, unless unless they tell you otherwise, you can park or you can camp for free there pretty much indefinitely, like at least for two weeks at a time. You just don't be on the, on the road itself. But if you pull off, you're fine. So like I just went to uh, Ozark National Forest for a week to work on a book and just hung out there and drank a lot of coffee and, and worked by myself. It was great. Nice. Um, I once, uh, I did a, a, a comedy tour back in uh, 2016 and we were all in, it was more of like, a, I guess like an RV than a, than a camper. And the one rule of the RV was you could piss, but you can't take a dump in it. Now is that, now is that a rule in the Heaton camper? There are no rules in the Heaton camper. <laughs> Uh, there's no, I, I've got a cachette toilet, so I've, I could, I've got like a little portable toilet when I want to use it. I prefer not to just for, uh, ease of maintenance and that kind of thing, but it's there. So I'm fine. If for some reason I'm in a CVS parking lot and I need to go, I can see now I would now, now to, the kind of guy I would, I am, I would have one of those toilets under every bed in, uh, in addition to a machete. Under a bed because you should do that at your new place just so you're always comes. like, yeah, like I'm all, I'm ready to cut someone or to take a dump. Like it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, doesn't matter. Uh, heading back to the questions, we got uh, Oki Native uh, says, "Isn't spoofing James Bond just Austin Austin Powers?" I think that's a you know I, I think that's a that's a reasonable question to ask, and I think uh, you know obviously Austin Powers really you know nailed the parody of of that genre, but it leaves. But you know, I mean, obviously, 007 has changed over the years so much, and I think it's the you know, the burden is on the comedian to find a fresh angle uh, yeah. to, you know, to, to take it on. So even just looking at something like uh, the HBO show Barry, where it's a, a dark comedy about a hitman and it's, you know, taken the genre of what, of, of, you know, of a hitman movie and turned it into, you know, a really funny, dark, uh, dark show. Uh, but what, what do you think about that, Andrew? A hundred percent. I'm with you. I, I think I, I, there, there's some fields that have been overly mined. So for example, um, it gets hard. Like I do a Christmas special every year. That's getting harder every year because Christmas has been so done for comedy purposes, but even then I'm still able to do it. We've been making fun of it for a long time. Right. I think you just froze for a little bit, Andrew. Uh, I think you could say the same thing about, say, Star Wars. Uh, Spaceballs was a parody of Star Wars, but I think... Right. Right on. And uh, speaking of, of Spaceballs, Mel, Mel Brooks, uh, he happens to be one of my, uh, one of my heroes. Um, and I think that leads into this question from Mike Wee. says, hey, Lou, what do you think of the Jews? Hey, all right. Uh, so... 
Uh, on that question, one thing that I notice is that uh, it's the year, you know, 2021. And occasionally I'll put something out there and I'll get a comment like someone calling me uh, a Jew or, oh, look at this Sephardic Jew over here. And what takes me aback is it's like they're using it as a put down. And I don't take it as a put down. I, I take it as a as a compliment. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, um, I, so many people that I love are Jewish. So many of my heroes are Jewish. Hey, and I'm actually thinking like if I was to do a 23 and me, I think I got, I think I might have some, uh, um, some Jewish blood in me. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Now, Andrew, the, that question was directed at me. You can chime in or you could let this one go. Just, uh, let me know whatever you feel more comfortable with. I, I, I don't understand why the question was asked. Uh, and so sure. I'm going to sure. steer clear of it and say, I like everybody and have no strong Thank thoughts you. on any particular race. <laughs> All right, let's see. Oh, we got a question from Andrew Scott saying, Andrew, have you joined the Council of Andrews A2 in our quest for global domination? I fill out an application and I'm I'm waiting to hear back on that, but I, I oh, still have I to get it get it, you know, notarized and stuff. And it's, it's a lengthy process. I mean, it's it's a big deal to get into the A2 council. My God. Um I have no shot of getting in there. Uh let's see. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm just something to bring up. Uh, I've been noticing a lot of people in my life are named Andrew. Uh, and uh, my son, his name is Andreas, uh -huh. which is kind of like Andrew. So it's the same know. root. And, and Andrew, it's closer because the, the, the root of Andrew's Andreas or Andrea, which is Greek, Greek for manly. Uh, and so uh -huh. it's the same. Yeah, it's the same thing. I know it's weird for me because I'm, I'm like a bearded Jimmy Stewart. But uh, all the same, though, like, yeah, your, your son and I have the same name. He just, uh, Andreas is, is a, a different, uh, a different uh, what do you call it, different expression of it in a different language as opposed to English. Nice. You know, I just watched um, uh, uh, this one, what was it, This Wonderful Life, A Wonderful Life? What is it? Which one? Is it? Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's a wonderful life. That's the, it's that's a wonderful the major life. Well, Clarence, Clarence, <laughs> yeah. no man with friends is a failure. So, so, uh, it was, uh, I don't know. I just watched it. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, well over a year ago. I'd never seen it before. And we went to a screening at the IFC theater in, in Manhattan. And, uh, before the screening, um, we were told that, uh, the, the main actor, the lead actress, her daughter was in attendance and everyone was excited about that. I had never seen the movie before. And the daughter comes out. And says, uh, you know, thank you so much for coming out. It, it's so great that, that I'm able to do this every year. This is such an important film for my mother and, it, and an important film in my life. And she says, how many people here have seen the movie before? And hands shot up, right? And then she asked, how many people here are seeing this for the first time? And a good amount of people, like I, I would say even close to half the people in attendance had never seen the movie before, right? And uh, she was excited about that. And then they went into Q&A. They decided to do <laughs> Q&A before, before the movie started. And one of the things that she says is, oh, yeah, in the scene where the dance floor opens up and everyone falls into the pool, that was blah, 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 blah. She gave that away before we even got to see it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I've, that may have, you know, uh, tainted my experience of watching it, but... At the end of it, I was like, I don't like this movie. I might be the only person in the world. 
I don't like that movie. So, uh, you know, one of my favorite moments ever to introduce a film was when uh, the Passion of the Christ came out. Uh, my, <laughs> I, I was a, I was like a freshman or a sophomore. I think it was a freshman at college. My buddy McGee and I went to go see it, and just as the lights are dimming, he goes, "What's this about?" <laughs> it was just the, the the timing was perfect. The volume was perfect. I was so greatly impressed by it. Oh my god, that's great. That I would have enjoyed. That I would have enjoyed if you know, even if uh, the daughter of the actress had said, "What is this about?" Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. By the way, I want to give a shout out to to uh, Zach Stuckey, who oh, I yeah. know. Zach and I oh, have corresponded. It's nice to see him. Hello, Zach. Is this is this Zach Stuckey right there? That's him, yeah. Z Zach writes, I'm used to listening to you at 1.4 times. I guess that's the speed. You sound drunk when you're at when you're asked down. He somebody needs to speed up 1.4 times on their end because they might be a bit drunk as well. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Also, I might be drunk. You don't know. I remain very articulate when I'm drinking, so it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, yeah. I think you're if if you are hiding it, you you are hiding it very well. Um, let's see. My, my my problem is my I'm I'm very articulate. And I'm still very clever and, and nice, but my short term memory shot to hell. So when I get drunk, it's like having a conversation with a very charming Alzheimer's patient, because I can oh. like have just a great time with you and everything. Like like one time I was at the Friars Club and um, we were all. Like, like I'll add to this. I just had a back injection for uh, like a chronic pain condition, which apparently you shouldn't drink on, although the doctor said it was fine. And I had this big old deal of, of scotch and uh, I did this whole story and then took a sip and went, which reminds me, and then told the whole story again, beat for beat, completely unaware. And everyone around me was like, did we just fucking time quake? Like, what the fuck's happening? So that's, that's how I am. Oh my God! The um, I, I ate I I ate at the Friars Club once, um, and I was really uh, uh, I felt really like I was I knew I was in an important place, but a big part of it was they wouldn't let you in if you if you didn't have a jacket. So they have a bunch of suit jackets just sort of waiting, uh, you know, I guess in the uh, coat in the coat room, and they give you it, and you go and you sit down, and I ate one of the worst hamburgers hamburgers I think of my life. Um, but it was worth it. I mean, I was at, you know, at this, uh, incredible place. Well, what's good. Have you done anything with, the uh, with the Friars club? Like since then? Uh, not recently. I like, I, I was a member for a year. I, I got in the last year I was in New York. So, or I guess I am a member, but I'm a non dues paying member. I'm, I'm a lapsed member. I'm an apostate. Okay. Um, so I, I went and did it for a year. It was fun. Uh, I, I think like like my my buddy Turner Sparks, who you might know uh, uh, from from New York stand up, he's now at the Friars Club and he's doing a very good job, I think, of making it kind of relevant again to comedians. When I was there, uh, I mean, the Friars Club has this great great reputation of being like the comedian club. By the time I showed up in you know 2017 or whenever that was, it's more like a lot of very wealthy 80 year old dentists who like the idea of comedy. So it didn't quite have that same that same gravitas it used to, but I think they're working on that now, and hopefully, uh, I know they're building a podcasting room in it. So next next time I'm up there, maybe I'll do that. Well, if they're if they're looking for someone who isn't eighty and who does uh, who does comedy, you know, they can find me. Um, I'm really just in love with the idea of you sounding like a charming Alzheimer's patient, because man, did you just raise the you raise the bar so high for just a run of the mill Alzheimer's patient where it's like, <laughs> oh man, he's he's got dementia, but he's really not charming. He's Here no is anecdotes. 
what, no charisma what, 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 am I, what am I friends? That happened. Her grandfather had that. I don't know if he had Alzheimer's or if it was just dementia in general, but he would, he was this really nice guy and he would like, like they, they'd all be talking and, and, and somebody would bring up like, Oh, somebody was, uh, um, somebody died on Mount Everest and he would like, he'd nod and he'd go, I'm going to have to check. I'm going to have to check my notes. I'm not sure about this, but I think I climbed Mount Everest and then like, and it, like, and oh he, like, and everyone's like, that's amazing. And it would turn out, no, he didn't. <laughs> but well, I think, but I think because, because, people could get away with lying. For yeah. Sure. Because he prefaced it was like, I'm not entirely sure. It was like a great, like, wow, cool. And then it's like, ah, all right, whatever. We gave it to him when he, when he, and, and he got to enjoy it in the moment. So good. I would, I, I would probably, I would definitely exploit that. And I'd be like, I don't remember clearly or not, but you're an asshole. <laughs> and just go and just go with that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bobcat, I think has a, has a good, good question. How far is too far to drive for a show? Now on that, it's, uh, I would have to ask, are you performing or are you going to see a show? Because hmm. I mean, you hear stories of people who are really big fans, you know, driving, you know, uh, all crazy uh, distances to go see bands that they love. Actually on Friday, uh, it was April 30th. I drove up to New Hampshire, uh, Rollinsford, New Hampshire for a gig. So it was me and two of my uh, comedian buddies, uh, Harry Turjanian and Boris Hyken, who uh, you guys could see in a number of videos that, uh, that I made. And uh, so we drove, I think it was something that was almost like probably altogether like six hours up there uh, to go perform. And then, you know, we slept at a day's in, which uh, uh, I would much prefer, I think, crashing on someone's couch. Um, but we slept at a day's end and then we drove back. Wait, so you're the in the couch day. category. You would prefer to do the couch over. A, uh, well, you know, I think over a day's in with uh, two other comedians. So me oh, and so Boris. Oh, so you're sharing the room? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Boris took a bed. Harry took the other bed. Uh, it was a tight spot. It was a tight yeah. squeeze. They yeah. didn't have room for an extra cot, let alone any extra cots. But uh, I mean, you know, getting to drive that far, I think would it would have really sucked if I was alone. But you know, having two hilarious, intelligent, uh, for longtime friends—I mean, it, it was awesome. And uh, we're looking forward to doing more of that stuff uh, if we can. What, what do you think, Andrew? How far is too far to drive? Uh, it depends. I mean, like because I'm in the middle of the country, I, I don't have that many driving gigs I can do now, right? So I've got, um, like, I, I I did I did some stuff down in Dallas here a couple of years ago. But my aforementioned friend Turner. Uh, has very cleverly um, hit up country clubs uh, and just like convince them to hire him because there's less competition, right? So like I'll drive like two to three hours for a gig. Um, after that, it just becomes a, a cost or fun equation. So uh, if right. if somebody wants me to like like to take a weekend, like sometimes I get invited to do a think tank event or or some kind of nefarious political action committee, and if they're gonna like I, like I have to explain it. Usually they get it. Uh, where they're like, you're only talking for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, right, but I have to fly to where you're going and I have to stay there for a day and fly. Like it ends up being in terms of just time loss. You're, you're asking right. me to commit to like basically two full days for however long I'm speaking. And so that's what you're compensating me for is the amount of time that I'm taking away from other stuff. So what, what I basically do is just have, have a price tag and be like, hey, this is kind of my standard. And yeah. uh, if, if you don't want to hit this, you need to explain to me why it's an amazing event. So like when I went to Iceland, they didn't pay me, but they were like, we can't pay you. We don't have an honorarium, but we, we can fly you out. We'll take care of that. And we'll, we'll put you up. And I was like, yeah. done. That's a free vacation to Iceland. That sounds great. Let's do it. Yeah. And, and for, for those of you out there, um, 
if if a group can pay to fly you out to Iceland and put you up, they could probably pay you an honorarium. Also or, true. I think it's one hundred percent. They can actually pay you yeah. an honorarium as well. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Oki Native asks: Is Andrew going to make camper life travel vlogs for the YouTube channel? I'm told it's a profitable profitable niche market. And to that, I, I would uh, I would say, um, you know, regardless of it being profitable, um, Andrew, I think you have a real talent of, for one, finding getting into really interesting life happenings you know you make interesting things happen and then you have a great way of telling those stories so i think that i think any fan of yours would would really be into just uh you know get getting to to see what life on the road or life in a camper is like with you thank you that's very kind of you thank you lou uh, i should do that uh so you know for, for folks that are unfamiliar with me the, the main thing i've been doing the last couple of years is podcasting which i greatly enjoy and is really really fun to do and part of the benefit to podcasting is that it doesn't require a lot of equipment i've got to have a good mic i've got to have a good internet connection but i don't have to worry about makeup hair i mean granted like i look fabulous clearly but i don't always look fabulous uh, and, uh, uh, and so that was one of the appeals to it. Um, but I would like, I, I really should do more stuff on YouTube. And, and on top of that, I keep like, I would love to do more stuff. That's not explicitly political. That would be fun for me as a comedian. And so uh, actually that's a really good idea. I should have, I absolutely should have done that when I was on the road, uh, doing the camper life, that would have been a great, just a side thing to do. And it would have expanded my reach and everything. Maybe I'll be able to do that in the future. Maybe I'll like maybe quarterly or something. I'll do camper life stuff. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you were talking about, you know, doing stuff, you know, outside of, you know, political commentary and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, it, it I, I feel like it, it's uh, it's one of those things when when you're in it and you're creating stuff, it not only is it can it be difficult to sort of see outside of that, but also just the reality of how am I going to find the time? to do this, to, to do yet another thing. You were, you know, away in the, in the woods, writing a book. I mean, you've written several books, uh, you know, uh, so adding yet another thing onto your, uh, you know, onto your plate yeah. is, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a lot. It could be a lot. Well, and and the, the other thing too, like, um, uh, when you get into comedy, you're not making any money at it uh, when you first start out, right? You're, you're, everything you're doing is on spec and you're doing it because you love it and you're doing it because it's really fun. And then there comes a point where, like, like for, for a lot of people, for, for most of my career, uh, I, was, I had a day job and then I was doing comedy stuff for fun at night and I didn't have any income coming in from the comedy stuff. Uh, and so everything was a, was a, a, a passion of love. Um, and uh, now I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm self-employed and I've been doing it two years uh, doing comedy and doing doing podcasting. And so I also have to kind of pro projects which have no clear profitability to them. I'm a little bit more, I don't want to say skeptical of, I just have to weigh them more of, uh, is this like, is this a thing worth really investing a lot of time in? Is this something that might turn into something? And actually like, I really, I should figure out something for YouTube. I really should, because that's like a whole new venue that I can do. Um, so it's a good idea. Like I, the camper thing is a really, really good idea. Uh, but, but I, but like a lot of the time, like I, like somebody wanted to work on a spec script with me. Uh, and I was like, I just, I don't think that's like, I, right. I kind of, I kind of eased away from it. Cause I was like, that's a lot of work to not for something. That's a real shot in the dark. Sure. Um, let's see. We have a question from, uh, David. It's for the both of us. Uh, do you condone when comedians hide behind the I'm just a comedian line whenever challenged on a serious topic? I'm torn because comedy is an art form and the expression of humor is the work. So the comedian's true opinion can either differ from their jokes or not. Uh, thoughts? Um, hmm. 
That's a great question. That's a great yeah. question. I, I kind of see it going one of two ways. Um, <clears throat> I think most of the time, I, I don't know that many comedians that play that card out of ignorance of, uh, hey, like, don't don't get mad at me. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I, <laughs> I find comedians generally will, will own it or they won't be super political. Uh, I think where you do see that come in is, like, don't be offended. I'm just a comedian. And uh, there I think that, um, I mean, I do think we're, we're too temperamental right now. And I do think that we're all walking on eggshells, but uh, I, I don't like, like Lou, in my experience, I find that pretty much all stand-up comedians, we all develop our own internal code of what we feel is acceptable and not acceptable. And it differs from person to person, but we all have it. So like for me, um, like, and I'm basic, like I'm much closer to Garrison Keeler than I am to Andrew Dice Clay. So I don't tend to offend a lot of people, but in the rare instances where that happens, what I want to know is, um, are you offended by the essence of the the truth and the joke? Are you offended by the extent to which I took the joke? Are you offended by the proximity of what we're talking to, to something sacred? And a lot of the time it's the latter two, where it's like, like the, the person's offended because I said something that's kind of adjacent to a thing that they take very important. And I'm like, I don't feel that's germane. But if you're like, yes, I think the essence of your joke, the observation you made was at root a bad thing, then I'm like, yeah, like I'll like maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. Um, so so I don't I don't find that people tend to hide uh, behind it. Plus, I, I think we've also like the comedians have all become pundits. So I, I don't find that to happen as much anymore. Like there's so many comedians that are all a quarter pundit, uh, a minimum that I, I, I just I don't find that many people saying like, I'm not a comedian. Don't worry about what I have to say. And also, I know what I I know what I'm fucking talking about. So I never goddamn say that. I've read a <laughs> shit ton of white papers. I read books all the time. I might be wrong, but I'm not uninformed. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it, it. I think it. It depends because um, uh, you know there are sometimes like say take something for example like on on Twitter you'll often find legitimate journalists who will use it as a, as a way to promote the articles that they're writing to, uh, you know, take part in, in conversations or arguments or debate with, um, you know, with other, uh, you know, uh, serious people, if you will. And then every now and then they'll toss in some jokes too, you know? So it's sort of, there's this weird blending where it's sort of like serious people also want to be funny or want people to think that they're funny. Right. And then you have funny people who also want to be taken seriously um, and you know, for, for me, um, no matter what I put out, I'm always ready to defend it or to, uh, you know, take constructive criticism on it or, and also to talk about, you know, the, the larger implications if it, if it has something to do with politics or culture, it's like, yeah, we could, we could have a conversation, but if we're having a conversation, then we're probably not going to bring up my joke. Because the joke is is a joke, right? But if you want to get serious, we could we could have a more uh, serious conversation. And what I've what I've found quite often is I'll put a joke out there, and people will start arguing, uh, you know, about any you know number of things with the policy or whatnot, and it they forget what the original post was. And it's like no, the original post was a setup and a punchline, and now we've taken it very far from where uh, from where it started. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, the, the, the amount of vicious infight, I, I, let me rephrase it. The, the amount of 
people looking to fight strangers about politics and are willing to grasp any particular thing they can to get into that is staggering. And uh, I like I avoid it. I like I'm not. Um, I, I enjoy a good policy discussion. I, I enjoy a good political discussion very much. Uh, I find that uh, in our current period, people don't know how to argue very well. Like like I like I, I did high school debate and I really enjoyed it and I understood just intrinsically. The thing we're arguing about is not a reflection of who you are as a person. Now, if we're arguing about like, like, like capital or racism or something, sure. But like, if we're t like tax rates and things like that, where it's like we're all trying to do something good here. Like, I, I get that. A lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people think if you disagree with me, it's because you are willfully evil, and right. uh, and and their go-to for for lack of emotional stability or for lack of rhetorical analysis will, rather than engaging the idea, immediately try to uh, figure out how you're a bad person and disregard you. And so it's a label and dismiss strategy. And I, I that I'm really tired of. So I kind of, I limit the interactions I have with people where they're going to get into that just because I'm like, I don't, I don't want to have a bad faith argument with a stranger. I get nothing out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Recently, I, I tweeted something out that said, um, you know, uh, I might not be evil. I might just be wrong. You know, right. that, that, that's the, uh, you know, the possibility there. Um, Andrew, I know we only have you for a few more minutes and, and just, so you know, guys, I'm going to uh, continue uh, doing the, uh, the live stream. Uh, but before we go, I think this is a really important question and it comes from Oki native and Oki native asks, would Andrew or Lou be amenable to being paid in cryptocurrency? I'm going to answer that first and say, yes, I have Bitcoin. I have Ethereum. So if you're uh, interested in paying me that, uh, you can uh, email me, and, I, and I'll I'm, I'm going to be updating my website. So um, I'm, there's going to be a support page where people can e you know easily uh, pay me in crypto if they so choose. But if you hit me up at info at um, and I think I just uh, put that in the comments. Uh, let's see if that comes up. Uh, you guys could uh, can pay me, and I will take it. Andrew, absolutely. I've already done that. Go to mightyheaton.com/crypto. <laughs> mightyheaton.com slash crypto and you can see all the things I accept. Send it my way. It'll it'll make my evening. Only one person's ever done it. Could you be the second? You could. You could be the second person by sending me some of that cryptocurrency. And I know so little about it. I'll probably sit on it and then maybe I'll become a millionaire because I'll look at it and be like, wow, Bitcoin cash is now worth a billion dollars. Well, who knew? So uh, yeah, <laughs> make it happen. Nice. Um, it, it, it's so funny. The, uh, the show I did in New Hampshire uh, afterwards, uh, Boris... Uh, he wrote a little bit about the show and he said, last night I, I did a, a show for uh, a bunch of libertarians and a guy who had a, uh, a pistol strapped to his leg paid me in crypto. Um, and I thought, what a beautiful thing. And I'm so happy I was able to uh, bring my friends there. And I'm so happy that you, Andrew, my friend, were able to join me tonight. Thank you so much. I hope the rest of your night is, uh, is, uh, is fun and enjoyable and filled with love and laughter. And thank you for bringing so much of that to me and everybody else. My pleasure. Always good to see you, Lou, and very nice to talk to everybody. Thank you so much for the good questions. Everybody have a fine evening.